0: Welcome back to The Dew Point. I'm Jesse Storita. In part one, episode one, we talked with young Nebraska climate leaders, Kat Warner and Stephen Kirchner. Guess what? They're back for more. It's episode two. We get down into the marrow on a range of issues. All up next on The Dew Point. Thank you guys for re- opening up to, you know, about parts of your personal life that you probably don't talk about all that often. If you don't mind me asking this, do you, to both you Kat and Steven, do you have, have you mended relationships with those parental figures in your life Stephen, uh, Steven, it sounds like there may be more than one and, and Kat in your case, your, your father are, have you mended those relationships or, or are those still a work in progress?
1: so for me, they're definitely work in progress. The other, like, so with, with my parents, I also, I didn't meet my dad for the first time until last, just last year in August. Um, yeah. So I'm 24. So uh, being 23 was the first time I met my dad for my, like the first time ever. So that was like, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done there. And like, I don't know, you just can't just walk into that and expect, you know, things, things to feel, uh, you know, how do you, how do you expect things to feel? I can't even really put the right words to it. Um, so that's definitely a work in progress. And then my mom, when growing up, it was always, I always have a small family. It was just me and myself, my little brother. I have one little brother um, and we have different dads, but we always live together. Um, so I don't do like the half brother thing or anything like that. I just my brother. And then um, it was just my mom and my grandparents that lived together. Well, growing up, my mom was always, uh, she's been uh, struggled with drug addiction since she's been a teenager. Um, since she was like 15, 16 years old, she's been using drugs and still struggles to this day. i um, grateful that she is working on sobriety now. And so, Still a work in progress, but growing up with that, that was kind of my mom. And then my grandma was a, uh, it was a weird hustle My grandma was was five foot two, three hundred and fifty pounds, diabetic, uh, diabetic, but she was also uh, a paranoid schizophrenic. So you have this five foot two, three hundred and fifty pound crazy lady that's running around, um, in the house, just just going after it. So there was that. And then my grandpa was kind of the rock to it all. And if you can picture my grandpa is who you can you know roll the snowball down the hill. My grandpa was like. 5'10 string bean kind of lanky guys. So my grandpa was really the rock of it all. And then when I was 12, this was in seventh grade, right at the start of the spring semester, uh, my grandpa passed away very suddenly. He had quit smoking cigarettes and the withdrawals from like the cigarettes gave him a heart attack like a week later. And so that's when around that same time, a year later, my mom's kind of, uh, you know, addiction and things are are spiraling out. Grandma's not taking meds and is, is really off the wall. And that's when my brother and I went to foster care. He, or he went to live with his dad. I went to foster care. And since then, it's just really been, even before then it was definitely like survival mode. You know, it's like, you see, you know, I'm seeing my mom doing, doing this with with drugs and toxic relationships and all these things. I'm seeing all that from my family. I see it from, you know, your neighbors around you, there's violence, there's there your, your kids, and you're running around with, you know, guns and knives and all these things that are going on and um, you just want it to be better. And so that like, that grind mode of, like, for me personally, I always seen that I was also very fortunate to coming out of eighth grade to be in the Nebraska College Preparatory Academy at uh, UNL to where I knew going into high school that if I could complete this program, I would be able to go to UNL debt free and be a division one student on a full ride scholarship. And so that for me coming out of eighth grade, that's about the same time I'm in foster care and things. That was what rooted me in that, okay, there's all these distractions happening around. Sorry, I kind of went off off pasture amending thing but there's all these distractions happening and there's all these other things i'm seeing my friends doing and and you know really being you know in street life and things like that and i was like okay i'm gonna make sure i stay in the academy i'm gonna work my hardest to be a wrestling state champion um and i'm gonna get out of this stuff and i'm just very fortunate to be able to come out of the other side of that because when you really look at the neighborhood a lot of people aren't meant to make it the system is meant to keep people that live in a certain part of the, the community in that part of the community and to stay there for their lives and then not not leave the neighborhood so really growing up with that mentality and seeing that that's what I've always been wanting to break is to like break the chains of poverty to break the the different generational poverty things that are within my own family like I'm not just a first co- generation college graduate I'm a first generation high school graduate from my family so it's like really from the bottom trying to do this and try to figure out where do we come up out of this thing so appreciate the opportunity to you know share and reflect on that because that's also something like you said we don't talk about every day so it is good to talk that through and provide some words to that so thank you for that
2: I love how you spun that. I made it so positive. Like, I was about ready to cry. And then you were just like, you're you funny. You're like, ah, I'm an inspiration. I'm like, hell yeah, you are, Steven. You are hella an inspiration. Like, I was about ready that. to cry. Tears are forming. And you're like, but it got better. And I was like, it did get better. And now you're an extraordinary person.
1: You always got to come up. You hate going to a, a climate presentation and, and it's just doom and gloom and it's all inconvenient truth and, and we're done for. And that's about it. Right. Um, so we got to always make sure we we're going we're gonna to come up out of the bad stuff for sure my favorite quote of all time i say this all the time to people but uh frederick Douglass said this uh a former enslaved man said that there is without struggle there is no progress um and that's always really really rooted and stuck with me
2: you want me to hit on your question as well or you want to change it
0: yeah yeah cat do you if you feel comfortable how, how's your relationship with your father today
2: i don't talk to him um because i realize the circle of abuse. so my mom um how uh, Steven's grandpa was his rock. My mom has always been my rock. My mom has gone through so many struggles and it's my biggest inspiration today. Like throughout high school, like once I got over the like, I hate you, slam. I like learned, I like asked my mom, I was like, okay, you're like a really good human being. Like, how do I be more like you? Um, and so my mom has always been my rock, but um, to my relationship with my dad, um, Yeah, no, I refuse, I do not want to talk to him, um, because, like, it's a circle of abuse, and my mom, like, recognized that, she got over it, and then I was like, yo, you're right, like, it was always, like, him getting mad, blaming it on us, hitting us, buying us really expensive gifts, promising to change, changing for a little bit, getting mad, blaming it on us, and so, like, it's a system of, it's a circle of abuse, and I recognize that, Um, and it was, like, about my sophomore year of high school, I was, like, yo, my relationship with my dad isn't all that great. I really wanted to change. So I dated a guy that was a lot like my dad to try to like change that. Going throughout like my high school career, it's like the year I did the least amount of stuff is the year I was dating this one guy. Um, And so like, as soon as I got out of that like eight, nine month relationship, I was like, yo, I deserve to be treated at this level. And I am not gonna let anybody treat me any less than I think I deserve. And then uh, my father has always been very controlling. And, um, that's part of like where the abuse comes from. And like, he, he has like a extensive family of uh, mental health issues and like his father was abusive to him. Um, like his mom and his dad, like as soon as like everybody graduated, they moved to completely different States, never talked to each other really. And so it's like, that was his normal. And so I was like, I don't want that to be my normal. And so it's like, I don't want to get back to it. And there are like a lot of times of he will like threaten or, um, like, manipulate a situation to, like, turn it on me about how, like, he's just great, amazing person and, like, how I'm lucky to have him in my life, and I'm just, like, no, when we talk, like, I cry, like, without a doubt, or I just get absolutely, absurdly mad, um, and he was also one of those people that, like, um, he made me cry at a parent-teacher conference because, like, I had a 93 in calculus, but in order to get into, like, my dream school, I had to have higher grades, and so, like, I'd be literally a parent-teacher Um, parent teacher conferences like crying my teachers would be like whoa I've never seen you cry before um and so like that sort of thing and so I realized that standard my junior year of high school and then I was like I'm not gonna let like we got into like a huge fight and I was like this fight actually has nothing to do with me it's like has to do with him having control over me and what he wants me to do and I'm not gonna live a life like that and so like I literally just like walked out of the house and walked like a mile and a half to my best friend's house and like called my mom. I was like, yo, you gotta file for full custody. I'm not going back. And it was when I was like 16 and the court case didn't end until I was like 18. Cause like his his goal was to like bankrupt my mom. And so I'm always like, I grew up in like a perfect nuclear family of like um, in like a suburb with like a mom and a dad are married with like two brothers. And like, it was all like perfectly normal except for like an abusive father. Um, And so it's like all that like shifted. And so it's like, it's not as traumatic as like Stevens, but it's definitely part of my upbringing for sure. For the longest time, looking at a picture of him would just trigger all sorts of emotions that would break down. Like I only very recently got over it because the fact also the same time, um, because like I was saying, he like say I was this like terrible problem child. So I got um, like a psychiatric evaluation and then it ended up saying I have minor OCD and I have PTSD. Like that has to do with the trauma my father caused. And so it's like seeing those things, then the court was like, oh, okay, like maybe like she should be able to live her life. And so I got away, haven't looked back since.
0: Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, just, I, I feel like that was one of the things that I, I don't wanna say, like I was hoping that we would get there, but I wanted the conversation to be candid and that we didn't just focus 100% on climate because you know what? who you are and your experiences in life obviously informs your values and your judgments and your opinions and your interpersonal relationships a ton. So yeah, just, I, I just thank you for sharing that because when I do see you and I think maybe when other people in the climate community see you Kat and see you Stephen, we all like sort of see the most passionate side of ourselves on a very specific issue. But that is, of course, kind of like a, a, you know, a grain of sand in a large pile that make up our lives. I feel like I need to ask a question about like, what's your favorite runza now or something, you know, like so, <laughs> do, a, do a softy, oh, I'm a Swiss mushroom person myself. No. Um,
1: uh, I, usually I get nice chicken tenders and ranch when I go around, <laughs> go around to the But
0: Bypass the runzas, you're like, nah, not for me
1: chicken guy so
2: (laughs) (laughs) they got those new like black bean and like vegetarian options and so it's like yes they're getting with it they have stuff i can eat i'm so used to not being able to eat at restaurants in nebraska
0: (laughs) that's when they got that into that yeah yeah it's things are i I think that's totally like i there's vegetarian runzas and there's you know the cultural um Benchmarks are changing a lot. And I, you know, I just got an email yesterday that United Airlines is they committed to 100% um, net zero carbon, I think by 2050. So it's just crazy that there's a lot of good stuff happening out there. And it's, it's hard to keep track of it all, um, which actually is a kind of a good segue to what I wanted to talk to um, Stephen about for this next question. So Stephen, um, I remember when you guys launched this initiative in um, the fall of 2019, and it's got a great acronym, which I will let you spell out for people. But tell me about this organization and, like, what what is it and what do you want to achieve with it? So
1: we're talking here about the Coalition of Resilient Nebraskans, or CORN, is our acronym there. This is a really kind of cool story, I think. Um, the coalition, like Jesse said, start like we. He heard about it in probably the fall of 2019, uh, so that's not that long ago. For about the past, past year and a half-ish, there's been a solid group of young people, and now that group has expanded to some initial allies in the climate space to form the states first, the first statewide coalition to specifically address policy on the climate crisis. And corn came out of back in uh, the summer of 2019, so I think July 2019, um, Kat was actually a, uh, she helped me co-host this as a as a camp counselor. Um, but for about uh, for the past two years, I've been organizing with an organization, with a national organization called Our Climate. Um, Our Climate's mission is to empower young people to advocate for science-based and equitable climate policies that build a livable world. I've um, been very grateful to be with OC over the last few years, and part of the organizing that we did was in, we've hosted summer camps the last couple years. So in July 2019, we hosted a uh, a summer camp at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Uh, this is really cool, we were in person, we were together for four days, we stayed in the dorms, we ate in the dining hall. So we really made it like a full, like summer campy kind of vibe experience kind of thing that we were going for. Hung out in the evenings, slacklined and played hacky sack and you know had some fun time, it was really cool. And the capstone project of the camp was to design the framework for a state-based coalition to address the climate crisis in Nebraska. And coming out of that, we learned over those four days, we looked at, you know, what's happening with policy in Nebraska, what are the public power boards doing, what is the state legislator doing, what's the university doing, what are, you know, some of the key players, what are the key issues and topics, so to, you know, kind of frame what's going on. Then we dove into what are, you know, policy principles, what are values, what are, you know, objectives in organizing, what are some things that we can measure and looked at different things that actually can be the dna of an organization or of a of an entity or something that you're trying to build. And so coming out of that, we did all those different things, related that to that, you know, key capstone question of how do you create the first state-based statewide coalition to address the climate crisis. We had decided that we want to do two things with this coalition for sure. We want to win policy and we want to ensure accountability in our elected officials are the two goals of the coalition. And so we saved the naming part of the coalition for the very last day. Cause it's like, how do we name something? We don't know what we're, we're doing yet. you know, let's figure out what we're talking about. And then we'll put a name on it. And so during that session, we had like an hour on the calendar to figure out the name. And within the first like 10 minutes, one of the campers uh, says, you know, it's gotta have a really catchy name. It's gotta, it's gotta be like, like corn or something. It's gotta be very, cause we're trying to make this thing very Nebraska, you know, very, very Nebraska is what we're going for in this coalition. And I'm blanking on her name. But anyways, one of the campers is like, it's gotta be something catchy, something very Nebraska. It's gotta be like corn. And immediately it was like, she hit the button and I said, coalitions of resilient Nebraskans came out. And we all just kind of looked each other, did one of the Mm -hmm. kind of faces. And we were like, well, I think we're good on this session. Does anybody have anything? Um, There was a little bit about maybe the word resilient and if that was what we wanted to go for. And then we were good. Um, Had about 50 minutes left of that session to hang out. So really cool how the coalition came together. Fast forward just a little bit. We did the Youth Climate Summit um, with Ken Winston and other organizers. Uh, Ken Har and Jesse was there. And um, Michael Decker was a, another organizer in the space, um, who's also a re- recent UNL grad. And he worked a lot um, with me after the camp to kind of add formal language and create, you know, really the, the bones of what that DNA to corn to would be. And so now we're in a good spot um, to where in the legislative session, hopefully in 2021 we should be in a good position to formally launch this coalition now and be able to start inviting you know everyday people and organizations to be a part of it and do some very intentional organizing about how we can win policy around climate change and ensure our elected officials are accountable.
0: That's great. Thanks Stephen for sharing that that story. So you all now have actually a for your ages, like a really good body of work um, in Nebraska on these issues, and so this question that I have on on this um, document that I thought about was, you know, what's the best part about working on climate issues in Nebraska, and the what you want worst if you call it worst or what's the, what's the biggest limitation, um, however, whatever word you'd like to to use there about working on these issues in Nebraska.
2: When I think about this, I think it's. Nebraska is one of the worst in the nation and so it's like it's the worst and the best because it's the worst because it's like god like Jesse as you've stated like with half of our um of the senators in our state legislature just blatantly denying climate change or um saying uh this is an important topic it's like that sucks watching that watching that for how like I watched the whole thing for like it went on for a few hours too about them debating and them talking, talking about it it was just like how ignorant are these people it's like in like one of my speeches i said i was like what is the point in learning this stuff a mile away when i come here and there's no application to what i'm learning so i am getting a degree in this but these people just spit on that research and that knowledge and like the whole life work of people at the university And so that's always insane to me and so it's like it's terrible and it's incredibly frustrating because it's something that we value so much we learn about every day our professors work on every day and then our uh, community leaders our state leaders don't care and half the time they're so set in their ways they don't even want to listen to us they just kind of label us as liberals and kind of just put us in a box and they're like ah it doesn't matter um, they're just like some liberal hippie that's just coming to tell me how to do my job. It's like this is our future, this is our livelihood. This is you talk about you guys care so much about brain drain. We don't want to be here. Like UNL, like Nebraska, not where I wanted to be. I ended up at UNL because of the fact that I didn't want to go in debt in college. But if I stayed in state, I could get paid to go to st- to go to college because of the amount of scholarships I collected. And so it was a split decision at the end. And like. The first two weeks of when I was at UNL, I was like, wow, like Nebraska really sucks. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, I'd rather kill myself than be here because it just didn't look like there's anything going on um, with sustainability. And then I got more involved um, and I realized, like, I'm here for a reason. Like, this is the best part about being in Nebraska. I can be a mover and a shaker. Putting stuff on my resume is so easy because the fact we are at rock bottom. It's a fact that we have nowhere to go but up. And I can make so much change because of my knowledge, because of my activism, because of my passion. And people are gonna listen to me and I'm going to make them listen to me and we're gonna make them listen to us because this is what we want. This is what the future generation of Nebraskans want. We don't want to be ignoring climate change. We don't wanna be spending billions of dollars every couple of years on floods. We want to be proactive.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you kind of took the, the the worst or the challenge part for me, I feel, has is, is definitely always been th- there's definitely a lot of really good people that have been on the ground doing things for a long time in Nebraska, but it's just been, it hasn't been as comprehensive as it, as it should be or, or could be in, in Nebraska. There's definitely some really, really important wins and things that have happened here, but on a broader scale, we're definitely really behind where we need to be. I work with working with our climate, um, being a national group. One of the states we're really big in is is New York, New York state. And thinking about the things that we see there, where there's you know there's the New York Renews Coalition, where there's this giant coalition of all these all these really big groups that are they're coming together. There's lots of on the ground organizing. You've got youth groups, you've got justice, and all these different groups coming together and things. And that's like, and they're getting big wins like the the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, the you know the nation's most ambitious greenhouse reductions bill. They just the New York state's going to reduce or divest from their pension fund that just came out. So lots of big things coming from there. And that's like what I'm wanting to kind of bring to Nebraska in a way is that with corn and that big coalition building, getting through some of these things that Kat mentioned of, you know, and that you mentioned Jesse, of you know, state senators not being on board and there's a general huge miseducation and lack of education thrown on our public on this issue. and And that's a really big challenge that we have to overcome. And I think, having the right coalition to lead that effort is something that would be exceptionally valuable in the space and a part of that right along with the coalition one of my the best part to this for me and really probably my favorite part is the people you're going to meet with this and being able to be on the ground and, and build relationships and um that build friendships you know like Kat and i you know we start off as this campus organized together and now we're really good friends and things and likewise with with you just you know we have been organizing in different spaces kind of popping up here and there and now we're doing this great conversation together and you get to meet people and be on the ground and do all kinds of really good things that's really important for me and then just being able to uplift others and put them in a position to share their stories is really important um because there's a lot of just a lot of very interesting people that are going through a lot of different things a lot of different perspectives and problems that can be brought to the table and being able to tap into that is, is just very fun and valuable and exciting to me
2: Uh, I remember it wasn't, I think it was last year, like beginning of my sophomore year. I didn't see Steven for like three months or something like that, like over a summer. And then he showed up to a Sustain UNL meeting and I started crying because I missed him so much. I was like, oh my God, Steven, I missed you. And so it's like, I freaking just sprinted at him. And like, it's a good thing he's athletic and he has like a good stance because like if he didn't, it probably would have been a solid like tackle. And then I was just like crying and I was just like, oh my gosh, I missed you. And so it's like that sense of community is key. It's so important.
0: Stephen, do you think Kat could have wrestled you to the ground? I know you're you're pretty competent on the mat.
1: Uh, it was close to points being scored. Very, it was very close. So, <laughs> um, if I didn't have my head turned all the way right, over, if she would have had a better angle, it would have been tough.
0: One question I forgot to ask, which I want to jump back to, is maybe outside of the climate world, who is somebody or some people that you look up to as a, as just a source of inspiration, Um, be it somebody we don't know, like a family member or uh, authors, celebrities, you know, poets, athletes.
1: I definitely think like one inspiration I definitely always had growing up. Like I had really, really good coaches. Like growing up, like I played baseball and I wrestled and my coaches were really instrumental for me. They like, cared about me outside of the you know uh, you know off the baseball field and off the mat they cared about how I was doing they cared about my family they cared about my grades made sure that I was you know okay and growing up without a without a dad that was really important to me to have those father figures you know male figures in my life so I think that was a really big influence for sure and then honestly I get a ton of inspiration just from people like Kat and Brittany and Kristen Onuka and Michael Decker and all these other people that are really you know my peers and things around me, but are doing just as high level work, if not better than, than I could imagine doing. So um, lots of peer to peer inspiration going on as well, for sure.
2: Me, I brought this up earlier. Um, my mom is my biggest inspiration, 100%. Um, and then all my other inspirations are around the environment are around climate. Um, but Yeah, no, my mom, like she wasn't supposed to live past like a couple months and then one and then three and then five years of age and like she was always supposed to die and then like she did it and then she got her bachelor's and then her master's and then her phd and had three kids while doing all of that and so it's just like that is a lot and my mom did it while going through like the vo- while going through a bunch of court cases and so it's like holy crap and then she also was has always been this incredibly integric person And so like a lot of times I'll, um, because my biggest, I guess, like concern is I'm going to the business world. And a lot of times the business world ends up being filled with greed or ends up being filled with like all sorts of like negativity of like doing this for myself and not for the collective effort for a better world. And so it's like, I want to make sure I don't fall into that. So I will call my mom and be like, yo, and it can, it'll be like the smallest random thing. Um, of like, okay, I told my friend that I would drive an hour to go and pick her up but I had an exam today. I have multiple meetings tomorrow and I'm exhausted and I don't want to do it. And so it's like something that small, but she's like, well, did you make a promise? And I was like, yes, I did make a promise. She's like, well, you got to keep it. Inspirations. Um, Of course, like peers, like Steven's like four years older than me. So when I came into UNL, I was like, Steven. Um, And he taught me so much along with Brittany um, as well. Holy cow. And then like Yeah, the peers of like so much. Um, Then also like the elders of like Don Wilhite, Ken Winston, um, and how much they're always pushing us. But then of course, like the basic of um, Greta Thunberg. She, uh, like how she also is so young, but just so passionate and and how like, in order to get anything done, you have to focus in on it. And you have to like, you see that as black and white and you just focus in on it. Then another one like Leonardo DiCaprio, um, then also like in Nebraska once I finally learned about her Mary Piper her words like reading her bu- her books are just like oh my gosh like first off yes second off I didn't know that third off now I'm gonna change the way I view the world because I just because of the words that you just put on this page
0: wow that was great thank you a lot of people that yeah hadn't thought about for a while like Mary so I wanted to talk about and Kat you can um, continue too and and delve more into your plans but like So, what are your plans for next year is the question but also if you can weave in to that answer the class that um, is being started with Dr. Gosselin at UNL and and doing some kind of um, greenhouse gas inventories for Nebraska communities if you could weave that in too.
2: Yeah absolutely so for this year um, because over the summer of course I had a lot more time to reflect than I thought I would and so for the school year, I identified four main priorities. And so uh, one is starting my own sustainability consulting company because I was working in UNL's Office of Sustainability, which I loved. I thought it was so much fun. Uh, but then I was like, huh, I have all this information in my head and I feel like I deserve more than minimum wage for this. Um, so that's when I started getting involved in the startup community in Lincoln and planning and creating my own LLC and finding mentors in the community that I never knew we we're there and talking to people um, about all sorts of range of topics. And that's absolutely wonderful. I love the startup community in Lincoln. So that's one. Two, um, I am, I'm a student government senator. And so I have multiple initiatives under that from um, balloons to uh, changing the bylaws to getting rid of plastic bags. Uh, it's only limited by my time and the amount of time that other people have as well. And then number three, I am the programming director of UNL Student Organic Farm. And so I've been rebuilding that. Um, we have gotten, just this year alone, we got $7,000. Uh, we redid it. I completely gutted the constitution and rewrote it uh, to make it more applicable to a farm. Um, I recruited a bunch of people. And so for the longest time, it was only one person working on it. And he did a phenomenal, amazing job, but he couldn't do it alone. And so then I came in and then we tag teamed it. Now we have a whole executive committee and a whole, group chat of people who wanna learn about organic farming. And so that's my third priority. And then my last priority um, is I'm working on starting a new group on campus called campus called Athletes for Sustainability because I've learned more and more that, athlete, that athletes care about sustainability, but a lot of times their schedule doesn't match up to be able to meet once a week, to be able to learn about it and organize and whatnot. So starting a group specifically for athletics. Um, so those are my four main priorities for this year. And then, but yeah, I am super excited for the class that he um, brought up a little bit. Uh, so I am, so my three majors are economics, environmental studies and natural resource economics. And so with environmental studies, there's a class called engagement in the community. And so in that class, um, there are two sections of it in the spring semester. And so I am very lucky to be in the smaller class that's gonna be going out into communities in Nebraska towns and villages that wouldn't have had this chance before, and we're going to be working with a program and doing a greenhouse gas inventory for these communities, and so I am so excited about that because of the fact that uh, while working for the university, I had a huge hand in doing the greenhouse gas inventory for the university, but now I'll be able to work uh, with communities and be able to do it in a, a different, different way with like a different system, and so I'll be able to compare the two, and so when I do get my consulting company off, off the ground, and I do end up getting more clients, and if they want me to do greenhouse gas inventories, then I can be like, yo, I got you. I literally had to do this for school. I literally had to do this for the Office of Sustainability. I have this experience already, and if I'm working with other towns and cities, I could, I will literally be using the same program, and so then it will be even better because of the fact I was already able to make all of those mistakes in class and have them be forgiven, be able to Um, work with the team before I get out to the real world and get more of that experience. So yeah, I'm really excited for that.
0: Steven, um, I'm really excited to hear from you on this too, because I know you have some stuff that you have in the pipeline. So do you want to just break that down for us?
1: Definitely a lot of transition and change happening on going on in my personal life. I'm finishing up year one as an adult. So I got done with college last May 2019. So spent all spent a lot of that time with our climate and have been organizing with them for the last two years but combining that with kind of what's going on in the new year so I'll be transitioning I'll be leaving our climate um at the end of 2020 and stepping down from my my position with them and so that will leave my commitment first first and foremost I'm always always a high school wrestling coach that's always my or I'm always a wrestling coach That's always my first hat that I that I wear and really excited for the new year. And, you know, we're wrestling right now. It doesn't look the same. It's, it's weird. There's masks and there's you're trying to distance and you're trying to wrestle and that doesn't make sense and all these things. So definitely kind of very different there, but we're really excited to, I was fortunate enough to coach with a lot of my coaches now are, are guys that I wrestled with in high school. So we have really good relationships and camaraderie and we're wanting to take what we're doing with the high school kids and expand that to start our own youth wrestling program to where now we're reaching kids of, of all age groups and being able to work with them year round. So that's like one of the first things I'm really excited about and stepping away from some of the direct climate organizing is going to give me an opportunity to do that really well, but also to step into this next chapter of my life. And that is to run as a candidate for district two for the Omaha city council in April and May. I'm from this community. I've lived here my entire life. I've I'm 24 years old and I was born and bred here. I seeing all these problems, I experienced problems of this neighborhood and and of this community growing up. And then when I left to go, the only time I haven't lived here is when I left to go to college in Lincoln and I left to go to discover why the suffering was happening in my community. And I wanted to discover what things have have led to, to these issues. And I felt I did a very good job of doing that while I was away in college and coming back home now, seeing the same problems that when I was a little kid, I'm now 24 years old, and these same problems are still here, if not worse, that it's time for a change. And I feel that combining my own personal history and experience of, of being in this community with what I've learned in terms of preparing the city of Omaha for the climate crisis and what's coming, I think combining those things along with the fight for racial justice will give me the edge to win this race and to be the city councilman. I feel I have a really good opportunity to, to do that and to represent the people of North and East Omaha in in the highest manner and to be a person of the people and and share their experience and and bring them to the table as we go through trying to solve a lot of these problems and and make the, the, the future better.
0: Believe in Steve.
1: (laughs) Believe in that one's not bad. I I was the one that popped in my head was curse for the council. So (laughs) those, those ones believe in Steve and curse for the council, I think belong on a sign and a t-shirt. I like it. Yeah. I just need like a billboard of, of me. Um, <laughs> I, the, what, the image popped in my head is just like suplex and Ben Gray or something. And that's the incumbent, but that's, that's not good. That's not a good, a good <laughs> now, but that's a fun one though. Um, but it's really cool. I feel very, very blessed I feel like I have a lot of really good people on my side. Um, we mentioned inspiration earlier um, as a wrestling coach at North high. One of my fellow wrestling coaches is Terrell McKinney. Um, and just looking up to him as, you know, he's, he's a few years older than me, but he's also, you know, a peer and a wrestling coach and someone that I respect and seeing the, the campaign he just ran to win the state legislator really gives me a lot of inspiration and, and wanting to to speak for the people and and to put myself out there to want to do this and, and to represent. So definitely a lot of inspiration there as well.
0: That's awesome, Stephen. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a, a great thing that you're doing and we support you in that and, Please um, keep us posted when you have some things that you'd like to share, or just let me know. You know how how we can help out.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the the advice and the, the support for sure. Um, we'll definitely need as much help and as many hands as I I can have. I definitely feel like I have what it takes to do this, but it's you know it's still um, you know it, in in my mind I'm also seeing this as a as a David versus Goliath moment where I'm still the kid from the neighborhood that's not supposed to make it, and he's got he has, he has no fundraising experience. He has no campaign. He hasn't, he has none of that. And it's just like, let's go do it and, and go raise somehow kind of thing. So I'm really excited for it. But I also think that, um, you know, I have been organizing for four years now I've been on the ground. I have relationships. Um, my name is out there a little bit in, in different spaces. So I feel I also have, you know, the on the ground experience and relationships to make it happen to and and can really roll with that. Um, you know, I feel people, I read this in a book, but I feel, you know, you start off dependent as you know, you're, you know, you rely on your parents and and your, you know, your mom and and things to to feed you and house you and clothe you. And then you become in your adulthood and you reach that independence and and now you got yourself and you, you, you can manage your life. And then the next step from there is an interdependent life to where now you can reach out to others. And and actually now that you have independence, you can provide value to their lives. They can provide value to your life. And I feel like now this is a really big grow moment for me to move into that that interdependence and, and ask for help and and to be of service to others as well too.
0: That's yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's a good note to end on. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for for being um, willing to do this and take a good amount of time.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thank you for organizing all of this and, like, doing this. It's very wonderful to actually have a conversation with you, because I know we've always been in the same room for things, but, like, never actually, like, talked.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's really good to have the conversation, and again, thanks for the opportunity to share this
0: Thanks for tuning in. My name is Jesse Starita. Like what you heard? Learn more about the podcast and the newly formed Nebraska Environmental Action Organization at ENACTS.org backslash the Dew Point. The DO Point. The Dew Point is where Nebraskans express who they are and what they believe and do about climate change. Hit the subscribe or follow button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell a friend.